Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Worship together this morning. And hope we'll invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin uh, reading this morning with verse number 1. And... Um, and uh, just hope you've had a, a wonderful uh, week and uh, grateful for what God has, uh, has done and for His grace and the opportunity to worship together with the family of God today. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading this morning with verse number 1. And for those who may be here for your first time, we are in a series of messages uh, we entitle Membership Matters. And uh, it's part of a, also a special emphasis in the life of our church um, right now. And, uh, and we've been looking at various different texts that relate to this subject and why membership uh, is important biblically and, uh, and why it does matter. And this morning we're going to consider this text and the title of the message is Membership Matters Because the Church is Called to Unity. So with your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read this text together, Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading with verse 1 and read through verse number 6. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Again, membership matters because the church is called to unity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this privilege of worship this morning. We thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather in the name of Christ. And Lord, we know this is a, a very important uh, opportunity we have, very important responsibility we have to worship together as the family of God. And we thank you for this wonderful thing called unity. Uh, Lord, as we read the, the whole book of Ephesians and so much of the New Testament, we see that you are glorified through unity. You're especially glorified through unity in the midst of diversity. So Father, I pray this morning you'll give us new insights and understanding of what it really does mean to pursue unity as the, as the family of God, as individuals, as well as members of the body of Christ and the local church, and Lord, specifically our local church called Lucy Baptist Church. We just pray now you, Holy Spirit, will be our teacher and, and will lead us into truth and to understand truth this morning, to apply truth. And Father, we pray for those in our midst this morning who may not be connected with the local uh, body, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts about their need to be a part of the local uh, body of Christ. And uh, Lord, uh, those, uh, Father, who may not may not be truly seeing the importance of their role as a member, that, uh, that they'll recognize their responsibility in regard to membership this morning. Speak to our hearts. And again, Father, draw those to Christ who do not know Christ. And I pray we'll be able to proclaim the gospel to them this morning, and that you, by the Spirit of God, will make that true and, and uh, to their hearts, and that they would recognize their need to repent and place their faith in Christ and Him alone for salvation. We love you, we exalt you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. You may be seated. Well, Tonto and the Lone Ranger were, uh, were riding through a canyon together one day when all of a sudden on both sides of them were Native American warriors on horses who were dressed for battle. Uh, the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and asked him, what are we going to do? To which Tonto replied, what do you mean we, white man? You know, there are times when unity uh, isn't very comfortable. There are times when unity may not seem, in our flesh at least, the most uh, easy pursuit. And, uh, and sometimes it's something we don't really even want. 
but Scripture teaches us it is our responsibility uh, as members of the body of Christ. And specifically, as we make application and we know that all, that the, for example, the letter to the church at Ephesians, though we're reading it today for our local church, it was written to a local church. And so again, we're considering these passages and how they have implication to us as members of the local body of Christ. And by the way, as we go back and study the book of Acts, especially Acts chapter 2, we see that it was the visible unity of the local church that made it so attractive to the lost world and, uh, and what made it um, appealing and, uh, to them in, in proclaiming the gospel. Um, and again, uh, Lehman, Jonathan Lehman says, loving unity amidst diversity is compelling. And so it, the local church is God's plan to put unity and love on display before the world. And that is why, again, membership in the local body of Christ is so vitally uh, important. It's why membership, as we say, matters. Membership matters. Well, again, in, as you study the book of, uh, uh, of Ephesians, the epistle of Ephesians, uh, you, you see it as, as is true often in the writings of Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The first part of the book uh, is what we might call more doctrinal in nature and, and just sharing what the doctrines are. And, and Hunter read from that uh, passage, this, uh, a passage this morning that was from that doctrinal section. But when we come to chapter 4, as we've read from this morning, uh, that's where the direction changes. In the latter half of the, of the book, 4, 5, and 6, as now it's now in chapters, was not at that particular time. Uh, but um, but it, is, uh, it is more the practical section, taking the doctrines that have just been taught by the Spirit of God and making them practical, living them out. So that's what we see here in, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4. And again, just a little further back into what, uh, from what Hunter uh, read, or no, part of what Hunter read this morning was in Ephesians 2 and 13 and 14 in that text. These are the words, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, dividing the, uh, excuse me, the dividing wall of hostility. So he uh, has uh, broke, broken down that wall of hostility. And again, when you read so much of these, the, the New Testament epistles uh, and, and, and in Galatians, and even back as you see it unfolding in the book of Acts, you see this was God's plan. But further back, when you go back to the Old Testament, you see that was God's plan. It was God's plan all along uh, that, that the Gentile world uh, would be reached with the gospel. And, and that was his plan. And that that is his plan. And so he, again, here in chapter four, he begins uh, with this practical section on how this is to be lived out, especially in the local church. And, uh, and again, that's the message of the second half of the book. Therefore, live as you are in Christ. And so we're going to consider together from this text, membership matters because the church is called to unity. How is that unity lived out within the local church? So look with me at several things concerning this. First of all, we are to pursue unity as members in a manner worthy of our calling. Pursue unity as members in a manner worthy of your calling. Again, there uh, we see it in, uh, in verse number one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, Paul identifies himself as the prisoner of the Lord. Uh, and this was simply, first of all, Paul's way of saying, uh, I know I'm here uh, by the sovereign will of God. Uh, Paul didn't uh, ask to be in prison. He wasn't looking for that, wanting that. Uh, I'm sure he would like to not have been. But nonetheless, he knew that was God's place for him at that time. That was God's plan for his ministry. And the positive thing about that is that God slowed him down enough to uh, write the epistles the, that are now in our New Testament. So that was all a part of God's wonderful plan. But it also gives Paul, if you will, some authority in regard to what he's describing, this worthy, this call, this worthy call. Um, and and, and uh, we, uh, we're encouraged today to realize that regardless of our circumstances, God is in control and God is working them together. And so he refused to be discouraged. And uh, you notice that in this uh, word, the next the word there, the second word, I, therefore. You know, we always ask when we see the word therefore in the New Testament, 
uh, what is the therefore, therefore. And of course, the therefore here relates back to all this uh, section that he's already dealt with and that now in our New Testament in chapters 1 to 3, related to uh, the, the, this wall of hostility that has been brought down. One time you were Gentiles and Jews, that's no longer true. God no longer sees us that way. He sees us in Christ if we're born again. He sees us as one. And so now again, he's, he's talking about this, this uh, worthy calling that we have been given as God's people. The word beseech there uh, is a, a word that means to beg. Parakaleo is the word in the original language. And it's also used of the Holy Spirit to come alongside of. And, and this is what we, uh, we're called to do. We're, it, it means to, to plead or to beg. So again, that shows how important this is, how urgent it is. He's saying, I, I plead with you, I beg you and as a prisoner of the Lord. And, uh, and so again, it's urgent. By the way, this is the same word that's used in Romans 12, 1 when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he, he says, I, 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 I beseech you as a prisoner of the Lord uh, to walk worthy of your calling. The word walk, of course, has to do with our daily lives, the way we live our lives, our manner of life, our conduct, our lifestyle. The word worthy, by the way, a uh, very important word, and uh, it, it, it comes from the word which means to weigh as much as, to balance on the scales. So he's describing here uh, how our walk is to be, is to be worthy, and then the word calling. Uh, when you hear the word calling, you probably think, well, pastor, you're called, and, and uh, uh, you know, our, our ministerial uh, pastoral staff, you're called, but I'm not called. Well, no, this is a calling for every believer, and this is describing not a vocational call, but it's our calling to salvation when, that we received when we came to Christ, and so if you're a child of God, you've been called. You've been called by the Spirit of God to come in repentance and faith and trust in the Lordship of Christ, and so he is saying that our walk is to be worthy of that calling, is to be worthy, if you will, of our salvation. It's to weigh as much. And, and so, again, that shows, again, how important this matter is. And, it's, and as it relates to our unity, who we are in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to be consistent with who we are and what we have and what Christ provided for us in making our salvation possible. Paul described that, that uh, worthy call, if you will, in Philippians 1.27. He said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, let your manner of life, again, be weigh as much as the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So again, Paul, in a sense there to the Philippians, is presenting the same message to them. That again, their, their walk, their lifestyle, the way they live is to weigh as much as the gospel. It's to weigh as much as their salvation. It's to, be, it's to match. It's to be consistent with. And, uh, and, and by the way, this word here uh, in the latter part of this verse uses the word striving side by side. We get the word athlete or athletics from that. The word striving. Uh, and it comes from that word. And, uh, and so it is, it is a prefix by preposition, meaning cooperation. And this word, again, side by side or together, literally means in concert, in perfect coordination, an athletic contest uh, in which athletes compete together against a common opposition. We're getting ready for the Olympics, and we'll see a lot of that. You know, you know we're amazed. You know, you have a lot of individuals uh, team, individual uh, athletes, but then you have those teams. For example, the, the, the rowers, you know, those guys, man, they work so hard. They, they have to work in perfect harmony together in order to run to, to win or to, to paddle to win, so to speak. And so that's the idea of this. And literally the word here means contending as one man. We are to contend against a common enemy as one man. That's the kind of unity that Paul is calling for. And, and it's to be worthy of our calling, our salvation, our, the, worthy of the gospel. So again, we are called here to pursue unity as members of the local body of Christ in a manner worthy of our calling. Are you doing that today? Are you pursuing that? Worthy of your calling? Does it weigh as much as it match who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as a child of God, uh, you're no longer your own. You no longer have a right to do things that would uh, produce disunity because of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, so secondly, I want you to see in verse 2, we are called here to pursue unity as members with the attitudes of Christ-likeness. He begins in verse 2, n- naming a number of attitudes that should be true in us with which we are to pursue uh, this matter of unity and this matter of our, our calling to Christ-likeness. So notice several of them. The first one we see here in verse uh, uh, in verse 2 is with all humility. The word here, humility, means to think or to judge with lowliness. And it's, it's uh, defined as that which springs from a true estimate of ourselves. You know where pride comes from? Pride comes from a wrong estimate about yourself. It's, it comes from really a lie about yourself. You see, when, you, when we think that we are something, when we are nothing in reality, when we think that we are owed something, when we're not, when we think uh, we deserve something, when we don't, that's a lie. We're, we're, we're uh, believing something that's not true. And so that's what pride is. And that's why Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So again, our problem comes again in, in, in disunity with, when we become proud. And, and humility is what it's called for. Not only humility, but also he says with all gentleness. This word gentleness um, is also translated meekness. If you have a King James Version, that's probably what your Bible says. And, uh, and this word was used to speak uh, in, a, in common everyday language of uh, breaking an animal, especially a horse. You know that a horse is a very strong animal. And so when a horse is broken, does it become weak? No. It's not weakness, but it's strength under control. And that's what God calls for in us, that we are to be gentle. And uh, again, uh, when when we demonstrate gentleness, we are broken under the Spirit of God. And therefore, we are responsive immediately to the Word of God by the Spirit of God. That's what gentleness is. It's brokenness and it's responsiveness to the Spirit of God. And that, that spirit and that attitude, again, doesn't demand our own way. Uh, and again, it helps produce the unity that brings glory to God. The, the next area is, he says, we're to do this with patience. And, uh, and this word is uh, also translated long-suffering. And this is patience, not under circumstances. There's another word for this. But this is the word that's patience with people. Does it require patience with people? Absolutely. And before, again, you get too smug, it requires patience for you and for me, right? For you and for me, right? And so, um, again, the patience here is, uh, as 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient and kind. And so, again, considering that of all that we have been forgiven and and, uh, how, how patient the Lord is with us on an ongoing basis, how do we have any right to not be patient with other people? God has commanded us and called us to be patient. And again, uh, a lack of patience then, the opposite of that, produces disunity. But patience helps produce unity in our relationships with us and in our, and in our local body of believers. So patience. And again, why does God bring difficult people into our lives? Well, because we, as we know, God's goal and purpose is to make us like Christ. And so God brings us into difficult situations, relationships, and circumstances because his goal is to chip away everything from us that doesn't look like Christ. And one of his primary tools for doing that is other people. And, and again, uh, he's probably using you in somebody else's life to help chip away what doesn't look like Christ in their lives too. So, so it's a two-way uh, process. And, uh, and it's what marriage is all about too, by the way, isn't it? You know, God uh, is wonderful as your spouse is. There are times when you, there are things that are difficult and are challenging. And, and again, God uses you in one another's lives uh, to help you in the process of becoming like Christ. And again, when we're patient with people, that helps produce unity within the body of Christ, the local church. And then the next one is bearing with one another in love. And, uh, and the word here, of course, the, the word for love is the word agape, unconditional love. You know, what he's calling us to do is to bear with one another. So that means we're to bear with one another even when we act like a bear, right? And, uh, and when, again, we don't deserve it, 
But because that's what unconditional love is. It's, it's unconditional. And, and so we are to, uh, this kind of love, this kind of bearing with one another takes abuse, but keeps on loving because the love is unconditional. And God, again, uh, uses this in our lives to, to help us. And again, brings difficult uh, circumstances and people into our lives so that we can realize we don't have the love that we need. Have you, have you discovered that already? That your love falls short. And so you need his love. You need his unconditional love in order to love people uh, like Jesus. And Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Well, again, we're to pursue unity as members with the attitudes of Christ-likeness. Another word not used here that's in the scripture uh, to speak of our attitude toward one another, really it goes back to the first uh, experience in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says there that the early church was empowered by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And if you recall in Acts 2.1, it says they were, they were all with one accord in one place. And as someone pointed out, that was not a Honda, okay? They weren't in a Honda. Uh, but one accord here is also translated together. If you have the ESV or New American Standard, it translates that word together. They were all together. And, and that is a uh, important word. And by the way, if you've got the uh, our proposed church covenant. Can you pull that up now, Marty or Becca, the proposed church covenant? Uh, we're going to look at that in just a moment, okay? And um, because that illustrates, and by the way, the, the word there for together is, um, is again, the, the, is used 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times uh, it's used in the book of Acts. And, and it means, the, mean, the word means like-mindedness, now, again, uh, you know, the Bible says we're diverse. God calls us to be, he calls us to come together in unity and to have unity in the midst of diversity. But we're to be together in spite of that. So look, look at just uh, down just a little bit. Can you go ahead and come to that? There we go. All right. And uh, let's go to the, uh, the next section. All right. Notice there it says, together we will draw near to God in worship. I'm not going to read all of that uh, because I just want you to see how many times we use the word together. Go to the next, the next uh, slide. Uh, okay. And, uh, and then the next. All right. Together, we will submit to the biblical leadership of pastors entrusted by God to serve and care for his body. Then let's go to the next section. Together, we will be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, we will meet with one another consistently, pray for one another regularly, and serve one another selflessly. And let's go, go to the next. Okay. And this describes, again, together we will edify one another uh, with our speech and encourage one another with our example. So I just wanted you to see, uh, we're using that word. It's a biblical word. It's a biblical word that we are together. And that, that again, is, it comes from that word like-minded uh, or one accord as it's used. And that's, that brings God honor and glory in his church. So we're to pursue unity with the attitudes of Christ-likeness. But notice thirdly, we are to pursue unity as members with eager diligence. We're to pursue unity as members with eager Diligence. Notice verse 3, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavor is also translated eager, and it means again to be diligent. It means to make haste, to be zealous. Uh, as you think about this matter of unity, are, are, is that your attitude? Are you, are you eager? Are you endeavoring? Are you make, making haste? Are you zealous? And the word keep is also translated maintain, and it means to, uh, to preserve. Uh, and you know what that's saying to us, folks? We already have unity. Did you know that? We already have unity. Uh, when, when, we were, when we were saved and, and put into Christ and in the body of Christ, we have unity. But what God has called us to is to preserve what we already have. What we have, we are to preserve. It's our, our responsibility to preserve it, not to, not to create it. We can't create unity. You see, God is the creator of unity. And God makes us one in Christ through the blood of his cross, as we described, as we read there in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And so we can't produce it, and we don't have to. It's produced in the Holy Spirit in us. And so again, we, while we don't have it, while we can't produce it, rather, 
we can hinder it. We can hinder it with wrong attitudes by the opposite of what we just described in those attitudes that we read a moment ago. Those things hinder our unity and keep us from uh, living out what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are, again, to pursue this. How are we to do so? He describes here we're to do so eagerly. We're to do so diligently, zealously. Uh, and, and again, he said we're, the, we're to maintain, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, uh, the, the, the unity that is produced by the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know the word bond is an interesting word? The word bond was used to speak of a ligament or a tendon. You know, and, he's, and again, we, we've used and talked about from 1 Corinthians 12, the, the, the body and how God uses the human body as a picture of the analogy of, of the body of Christ, of the church. Uh, and so we are connected by the, the Spirit of God. We have a bond. Where it's like, again, you picture how the body is all one, and that's how we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this bond, if you will, this ligament or this tendon, and the Holy Spirit binds us together as a body. How does he do that? It is the bond of peace, and, uh, and, and that his peace is what preserves or maintains our unity. We have peace uh, with God, we have the peace of God, and then we have the peace uh, uh, within the body of Christ that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And that brings him great glory. That's why he said how good, Psalm 133, and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And it is pleasant. It's pleasant to us. Don't you agree? It isn't comfortable when there is disunity or discord. But the most important thing is what it does. It brings God glory. It honors him and it pleases him uh, and brings praise uh, to his name. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So again, it's every member's responsibility to seek to maintain unity with eager uh, diligence. A uh, great illustration of that from the New Testament was in Acts chapter 6, you remember, and probably the, uh, the really, as far as we know, the first uh, ripple in the church's uh, relationship was there in Acts, that read, we read about it in Acts chapter 6, and the Bible says there there was a murmuring that was taking place, a grumbling was taking place. Why? Because the early church had taken on the responsibility of caring for their widows, their member care, if you will. Uh, because they didn't have Social Security and there were um, members who needed to be cared for. And so this was the church's responsibility to care for them. And, and they daily distributed food to them. But in the process, there were some Greek widows. that they, they had been Jewish too, but they were from a Greek background. And then there were the Hebrew widows. And so the Bible says there that the, the Greek widows were being neglected. Uh, and, uh, and, and you see the Hebrew widows. Uh, so in a sense here, you have a, both a cultural and a racial problem, in a sense, taking place in the early church. Even though they weren't, they weren't at that time from a Gentile background, they still were from a, they were Greek speaking. And so they, uh, they, they, they shared about it. Now, what did they do? They, they didn't say, well, quit complaining. <laughs> you know, just suck it up. No, they didn't do that. They, they prayed. That's the first thing we ought to do whenever disunity takes place or there's a problem in the body. We need to pray. We need to seek face of God. You see, he's got a solution to it. And so they prayed, and God directed them about what to do. He told them to appoint these uh, seven men. We believe they're the first deacons, and they, they became responsible for caring for the widows. And so nobody anymore was neglected. They didn't say it didn't exist. It did. In fact, uh, it, it, it may have been uh, okay under Judaism, but it was not okay in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and there are no more Jews or Gentiles. There are no more uh, preferences based on culture. No, because uh, God's abolished those things in the church of the Lord Jesus. So we go on to read that as a result of that, the, the peace and the harmony and the unity of the church was restored, and they began to reach people and see people come to faith in Christ and, and multiply after that. In fact, that was the turning point. A, a difficult situation turned into a positive one. That's one of the beautiful things about God. When we have a situation that could be disruptive and divisive, God can take that 
that situation, when we bathe it in prayer, seek the face of God and say, Father, what do we do now? Then God can take the very thing that Satan was trying to use to divide us and turn it around and use it to revive us and to unify us. Amen? And that's what we need to pray for whenever those things happen in our local body, that God will give us wisdom and direction and will unify us in the body of Christ. And that's exactly what happened there uh, in Acts chapter 6 in the early church. So again, pursue unity as members with eager diligence. And then number, uh, number four, pursue unity as members while maintaining doctrinal purity. We see this in, in verses uh, four uh, to six. We, we begin to see here that uh, this peace that is so is vital to unity, by the way. And, uh, and when you hear us talk about unity and we talk about peace, uh, don't get the idea, one, that, uh, that it means peace at any price. Don't get the idea that it, that it means doctrine doesn't matter, because it does. And, and, uh, and it doesn't mean that we are to compromise with, with, uh, with doctrine. Now, we, the Bible says we're to speak the truth in love. And, and we are to handle situations in a loving way, just like we saw there in Acts chapter 6. Uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. So, so here in these verses, he describes seven ones, if you will, that demonstrates, go, demonstrate God's unity on one hand, but also demonstrate uh, our, our unity as believers in the body of Christ and really that show us that we can have unity while maintaining doctrinal purity, doctrinal integrity. So notice these ones, if you will, that we see listed uh, here and how they illustrate this and demonstrate that we can have unity uh, in, in, in the midst of diversity. First of all, notice he says you're one body there in, uh, in verse 4. And the one body here is, uh, is, is what we are as a church. The, Bi the Bible says in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Spirit, the moment we're saved, He baptizes us or places us, immerses us, not, not by water, but, but spiritually in the body of Christ, immediately at salvation. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves, or free, and were all made, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So again, the church is one, and, and true believers are one in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, and that's certainly true positionally, and in the, if you will, universal body of Christ. And one day, that's going to be true literally as we all gather together around the throne of God. We'll be there together as one. There won't be any more differences. There won't be any more uh, denominational distinctions. And we'll all be together. In the meantime, this spirit of unity is best demonstrated in the local body of believers. And it's lived out that way best and, and, and is demonstrated. And that's why we've said, as we look at membership in the New Testament, we, we see really a, a, both the universal church, of which we, uh, we see in Scripture, but most of the references are to the local body of believers. And, and so, so we're one body. But secondly, we are one. We have one spirit. Notice again, he says uh, in uh, in verse four, "There's one body and one spirit." This, of course, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in every single believer. Amen. Doesn't matter whether you're a, a Baptist or a Nazarene or a Pentecostal or whatever you might be, or a person may be, if they have, if they repented of their sin place their faith and trust in Christ and Him alone to save them, and Jesus has saved them, then that moment, uh, whether they realize it or not, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in them. We're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says, as believers in Romans 8, that our spirit bears witness with other believers. I've experienced, and some of you have too, uh, on the uh, on the inter on international soils, even when you do not understand the language of that person, but they're a believer in Christ, your spirit bears witness with theirs. Why? Because you're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. There is one Holy Spirit, and therefore He is, as we said, uh, is the one who unites us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who convicts us to come to Christ. He is the one, uh, again, who, who uh, saves us and who, who fills us, who empowers us for witnessing and gives us the spiritual gifts that we have, who demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit through us, the same one Spirit. 
And that is so true of us in Christ. But notice next in verse 4, there's one hope of our calling. The word hope, of course, in Scripture means confident expectation. And so we have, a, we have the confident expectation. Uh, because we are believers, the Holy Spirit puts within our heart a confident expectation that Christ is coming again. Almost always the word hope used in the New Testament is in reference to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we are to live uh, with an expectancy. We sang this morning in the senior adult department, Jesus is coming soon. And we're to live our life believing that, expecting that, because it could be this very day. And the Holy Spirit puts that in our hearts. That's why, again, with that, that other old song, we're kind of homesick for a country to which we've never been before. Because, again, the Holy Spirit puts that in us. And that's true of all believers. We have that in common uh, in, in our lives as believers. Uh, and num- number, the next, verse 5 says there's one Lord. And uh, who is the Lord? What's his name, by the way? Say it with me. Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is the only Lord. And, and He is our common Lord. He, and, and as the Lord, He is the only way to be saved. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And true believers in Christ, we're unified around this. We don't believe that it's Jesus plus something else. We don't believe it's Jesus plus good works or Jesus plus baptism. We know and believe the Scripture that there is one Lord. His name is Jesus. And he is the Lord. And one day that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is one Lord. And we uh, reunite around him and our common salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then finally there is, or not finally yet, there is one faith. One faith in verse 5. And by the way, this is not saving faith so much. This is describing the, uh, as Jude 3 talks about, he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once of all delivered to the saints. And the faith here he's describing is the, is the body of truth uh, found in Christ, found in the word of God. And that's why, again, we don't come to you with, uh, with a some other ideas that are foreign, we just keep on and have been since the beginning uh, of the Word of God and the beginning of the church to preach the Word of God. And, and, and that is uh, uh, that which we are united around, uh, the, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And that unites us as believers. And then there is one baptism. And again, this, uh, this, water, this, this baptism is relating to the water baptism, we believe. And uh, because again, uh, Scripture teaches baptism. Now, baptism is for believers only. It's not for unbelievers. That means it's not for little babies. It's, and, and it is to be done. We talked about this in our covenant membership class. It has to have the right uh, meaning and, and it has to have the right uh, method. And the word baptism means to immerse. And it pictures Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection, and it pictures our identity with Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. While it is not essential for salvation, it is essential for obedience. And so there is one baptism that's so important that the Lord Jesus made it a part of his commission. When he sent the church out to make disciples, a part of being made into a disciple is being baptized. It's identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, so again, it's very, very important. And then notice he does say, finally, there is one God and Father of all. Scripture is so very clear about this. And again, this affirms that we believe in one God who is the Father. Those who say, well, it doesn't really matter. It could be the Hindu God or it could be the, the Muslim God. No, there is just one God, and, uh, and Scripture has revealed Him. And uh, so we believe that. And along with the Spirit and the Son, the Bible says He is, notice, above all. He's sovereign over all and everyone, over your life and over mine. He's sovereign over the universe. And again, He is through all. That means He's, uh, uh, he's working in, to fulfill His purpose in your life as well as in the universe. He is in you all. Again, He's present in every single believer, uh, because God is one. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, even in this passage, uh, related to who, who God is. So again, God's purpose in this world is to bring a world to himself, 
And he demonstrated that supremely through what he did to make our redemption possible, sending his precious son, the Lord Jesus, fully God, fully human, who went uh, after living that perfect sinless life, he went to the cross and the Bible says became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, rose again the third day. And again, through repentance and faith, turning from sin, trusting in Christ and him alone, uh, to save you, then, then you become his, his child uh, and uh, his disciple for the Lord Jesus Christ. God's purpose is that, one God and Father of all. And, and again, dear friend, God is glorified in unity. Uh, again, the verses that, that we read just prior to this passage as he's taking into account all that we've said about, about how God has broken down those walls of, of hostility, between us. He says in, in the great doxology there in Ephesians three twenty and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That comes just before the passage that we're looking at today. God is glorified in unity. He's glorified in unity through diversity. Uh, and what binds us together? Yes, the, the, the Lord binds us together. In the, we're bound together in the, the bond of his peace through the, 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 through the Holy Spirit. The gospel binds us together. The gospel binds us together. Uh, in his book, Love in Hard Places, Don Carson says, what binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common ancestry, common accents, common jobs, or any such thing, he says. And we could add to that, nor common age, or common music style, or any other common commonalities. Those are not what bind us together. Uh, and, and, uh, and he goes on to say, in this light, they are a band, listen to this, a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. He said, a church composed of natural friends says little about the power of the gospel. Yet the gospel-revealing community of natural enemies will require sacrifices in, uh, in every aspect of our life together. You know, I'm, I'm coming to see this in a way, and uh, you all know I, I'm 58 now, and, uh, and I've been around for a while, but I'm coming to see this in new ways I have not seen it before. It's right here in the New Testament. It's so clear. That's what God intended in the past. That, that's what God intends now. And, uh, you know, if, if, we, uh, if a church is in a particular community, a community of, uh, of all uh, African-American people and their church is made up of African-American people, then, then, then it's understandable that, that you have a church that is predominantly African-American. If it's a, a church in a community that is made up of, of predominantly uh, uh, Anglo people, white people, then it's understandable there that, uh, that the people look alike. But you know, in a diverse community, I'm more and more seeing as you study the New Testament and you see how the Gentiles and the Jews came together. Again, if you'd gone, if you had been in that day and you were looking for a church, in Jerusalem and you just happen to show up there or later on in, in Ephesus or any other of the cities where we, you would not have shown up and said, could you please tell me where the Gentile church is? Uh, would you mind telling me uh, where the Jewish church meets? They'd have looked at you like a calf looking at a new gate. They'd say, we don't have any Gentile churches here. We, we don't have any Jewish churches here. No. Why? Because they were just the church and, and they were made up of people and, and, and God is glorified in diversity. God is glorified in diversity. And there's more than just the racial diversity is just one way. There again, there's socioeconomic uh, uh, Diversity, uh, all these other things. That there's uh, again that we described here today, and and educational diversity. People say, "Well, I would rather go to a more educated church." Well, you don't find that in the New Testament. We're to come together, and God is glorified when we come together in our differences. And just like He says here, that requires sacrifices in every aspect of our life together. You know, a great illustration of that is marriage. Uh, Blake and Chloe are down here. They just got married, and they're already learning. They thought they knew each other, but they're already learning a lot of things about each other that they didn't know. 
I, you know, uh, they probably learned that their mamas folded the towels differently. Uh, and, and if Blake goes to fold the towels like his mama taught him, Chloe may say, that's not how you fold towels. But you know what? Blake may have to learn to fold towels Chloe's way. You know, and right? And so there's a, you know, when Karen and I got married uh, 37 years ago, last Thursday was our 37th wedding anniversary. We went on our honeymoon to Disney World. And man, I was so excited. Got to ride all those, uh, those um, roller coasters. I just love roller coasters. And so Karen rode the Space Mountain with me several times. We went to Circus World and we rode the, the two different uh, roller coasters. I just love roller coasters, except I don't like the kind that turn upside down. They make me dizzy and nauseated. I don't like those. But I like the kind that fall away from the sky. Ooh, that's fun. Uh, but you know, a few months later, we went to Six Flags and I said, let's ride the roller coaster. She said, I don't want to ride the roller coaster. Why not? I don't like roller coasters. I said, you don't? You rode them with me on our honeymoon. She said, that was our honeymoon. You see, she made exceptions. She made exceptions. Why? She sacrificed for the purpose. And you know, we still do that, don't you? We went yesterday. On, we had a little anniversary getaway. And we went, uh, we went to uh, some places. We went to a uh, uh, we went shopping for antiques. Why? Because that's what Karen wanted to do. I like antiques, okay, but she wanted to do that. Uh, and, uh, and then we went to a movie. We, we, we went to see um, The Light, Secret Lives of Pets uh, because that's the one I wanted to go see. She kind of wanted to go see uh, Finding uh, Dora. You, you see the kind of movies we go to, okay? We don't go to those other kind that are embar- that'll embarrass you and they'll say ugly things and do ugly things because that embarrasses me and it f- offends me and, quench- and grieves my spirit. What about you? And, uh, but, you know, uh, we do some things, and that's what we do in the body of Christ. We, we, we sacrifice. What are some things we could sacrifice? What are some areas? And, and let me ask, how, how willing are you to sacrifice for the work of unity and diversity in our church? Are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of unity? Are you willing, for example, to sacrifice comfort? To fellowship, to fellowship with someone you don't normally spend time with, you know, like someone who's in a different race, or, or maybe they're a different age from you, uh, are you willing to sacrifice comfort to hang out with, with somebody like that? Or someone has different interests than you do, are you willing to do that for the sake of building relationships and unity in the body? Secondly, are you willing to sacrifice preferences? Once again, preferences specifically, and I know we're hitting this a lot, but but music styles. Younger people, are you willing to sing older hymns? And older people, are you willing to sing newer songs? Well, you're already doing it, so I think you are, all right? And, and some of you, and, and are you willing for the sake of unity to, 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 to sit somewhere different? And I want to commend you. Many of you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. You move from the back forward because you want to be unified. You, 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 you realize that's important to our, to our speaking to one another and singing to one another. And, we, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a part of it. Are you willing to, are you willing to sacrifice time and, and uh, resources to invest in someone uh, again, who may be different from you, if you uh, maybe to help them in, in an area, to, to learn something, to learn, uh, to, to, to invest in them, to, to uh, be better equipped. Are you willing to do that? And, and that's a, a part of it, and resources as well. Are you willing to sacrifice habits, maybe, of always doing the ch- church the same way we've always done it? Uh, let me give you, give you an example. Uh, in community groups, when we started community groups, my background is in educational ministry. And I w- it was drilled in me that we do age grading. And we, and we do that in our preschool children, youth, and, and to a certain extent on into our adults. We do that as well. Uh, that was so part of me. But the but more I study the New Testament, um, while that does uh, grow us to a certain extent, and it's okay, by the way, to hang out with people that are like you and that have interest in you, that's okay. But, but again, we're talking about sacrificing for the sake of building unity in relationships in the midst of diversity. So what about if our community groups, what if we had some diversity in ages? Uh, I, when we started, I thought we need to build, have some young adult community groups so we can reach young adults. Uh, but I'm seeing more, what about our young adults meeting with senior adults? And what if you, some of you who have more of a senior adult community group, what if you said, I'm going to go to, I'm going to begin be a part of this community group and getting outside of my habit and out of my comfort zone in order that I can help build unity in these relationships. And we have some of that going on and I'm very grateful, but I believe it needs to happen more. And, and therefore, even in our, in our uh, Sunday school, 
We're offering, we've been offering an equip class that isn't age graded. And, and we're trying to do that again to, to build unity and, uh, and to, to train and to equip us as the, as the word implies. We're going to do another one in the fall. And those won't be, those will be open to, to anyone. Again, for the purpose of equipping us, but also for the purpose of, of helping us to be more diverse as scripture teaches and to have unity in the midst of our diversity. Are you willing to sacrifice your life to pray for work and for unity? Because that's what Jesus was willing to do. Jesus prayed in John 17, 11, and he said, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. And, and folks, God always hears and answers the prayers of Jesus, okay? It may look like God the Father hasn't answered Jesus' prayer there, but he has. Because rea- in reality, we are one, okay? We do have unity. We have positional unity. But God wants us to live out more practically the unity that we already have. And I want to challenge you to make that a matter of prayer and examine your life. What can I do to help promote unity in our church family. Not just, uh, not just st- stay away, not just keep quiet. That's an important thing at times. But what can you do actively and aggressively to help build relationships and build unity and to pray for greater diversity in our church so that we can, can for the sake of the gospel to this world. Have you thought about the fact, you know, um, obviously God's not pleased with all the racial disunity in our country. He's not pleased when, when people are, are fighting and are, uh, you know, it saddens me, uh, you know, when we see those things happen. But, but what, what could God do in the midst of all this? What if we could become the example, and my prayer is that, that we could become the example to the world uh, by, by reaching out to and seeking to reach people with the gospel who are African-American or, or other races, and, and we could demonstrate by the power of the gospel the difference that the gospel makes to unify people regardless of their skin color, regardless of their age, regardless of their preferences, regardless of their, their economic status, regardless of their educational status, that brings God's glory. When those who are natural enemies, the only thing they have in common is Jesus and the gospel, but they love each other. That brings God glory. And that is my prayer, that that is what God will do. That is my vision, that that, that's what God will do at Lucy Baptist Church. Will you join me in that? Will you pray about that and ask God to let us be that for his honor and his glory? This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin Place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.